0: Miracy. When we decide to run our own businesses, it's very typical that we forget a lot of the things that we learn and start to abuse our limits of uh, overworking. And we absolutely forget about self-care. And if we don't correct that, it can be a very dire consequences, in my opinion.
1: Hello, I'm Melinda Cohen, and you're listening to Just Between Coaches. I run a business called The Coaches Console, and we're proud to have helped over 50,000 entrepreneurs in creating profitable coaching businesses. And on this podcast, I invite other coaches to explore and discuss difficult issues or questions that you might be having with your clients, and also the difficult conversations that you might need to have with yourself. My guest today is a successful online business owner and speaker who's worked with hundreds of coaches and consultants and helped a diverse group of companies and organizations. She's got a PhD in psychology and 20 plus years of experience working in human potential. And she's also the host of the Mindset Zone podcast, the director of education for Book Yourself Solid and the CEO of Amaze Coaching, LLC. I've invited Anna Malikian to the show. Anna's been with the Coaches Console now for 12 years. So she and I go way back to the early days. It feels like the early days of the coaching industry, but there's another side to Anna's story that caught my attention that we're about to explore. In her never-ending quest for discovering human potential, Anna realized that the pursuit of happiness is a fallacy. Welcome, Anna.
0: My pleasure to be here.
1: Anna, I am so excited to talk to you about all of this and this topic for today. But first, would you mind sharing a little bit of your background from
0: psychotherapist to coach? So my academia background is all in psychology. I fall in love in psychology. I did my bachelor's, master's, PhD in psychology, and I was doing psychotherapy in Portugal, in Spain. Portugal is my country of origin, if somebody is wondering about my accent. And one of the things that happens when we are in academia, teaching and doing clinical work, we present in conferences. That is our way of traveling the world And I present a paper in Phoenix, Arizona, where I met the person that a couple of years later became my husband. So I moved here to the United States in 2003. I had to decide what do I want to do professionally. And I found this incredible resource called Life Coaching that helped me tremendously in that time in my life, gave me a sense of direction. clarify my purpose, and I decide why I don't bring my background in psychology and personal development and become a life coach. So I became a life coach. What a journey it has been. And
1: you're an expert. Part of what you have been bringing to your coaching and your business over all these years is you're an expert in human potential. And our own choices and self-care are a big part of reaching that, right? Like, can you
0: elaborate on that a little bit? When we decide to become coaches ourselves and run our own businesses, it's very typical that we forget a lot of the things that we learn and start to abuse our limits of overworking. And we absolutely forget about self-care. And if we don't correct that, It can be a very dire consequences, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, this is a topic that I cannot speak enough about. And so many people, they just think, oh, self-care. Well, once I get through the projects or when I reach this, then I'll do something nice for myself. Or a lot of times what I see is the universe whacks them upside the head with a big old two by four and says, "Uh, no, you've overworked enough. You are burnt out enough. Like you will now pay attention to your health and well-being. And it's something that people are forced into,
0: right? Absolutely. I was, for me, unfortunately, was cancer. That opens my eyes. It's not that I didn't knew that I was overworking. Let's be honest. I knew it. But it's that we keep pushing. We are very good in pushing. I think we can do it a little bit longer. We are, it's endurance. We are resistance. We almost take it as a badge of honor that we can endure the, the hard work and all of that. And how can we deserve success if we are not doing the hard, hard work? And uh, when we get uh, healthcare like cancer, that puts everything in perspective. It's like you're describing: is that two by four that hits a square in the face, (laughs) and we have to listen to it.
1: I truly believe, though, if we can reframe our thinking on this topic, we can bring more of ourselves to our businesses, our our audience, our clients, our prospects, our family, our projects. And we can, the way I call it is, we give of the overflow and we're not depriving ourselves, but we're leveraging ourselves to give even more to those around us.
0: And I think if we keep open, we don't need to have a so big alarm clock like a illness or an accident to wake up. Because I think there in our lives, if you pay attention to our intuition, our intuition is telling us for a long time, hey, maybe this is not uh, exactly what you sign up for. So for people listening out there, don't wait for a big thing in your life or somebody that you cares life. Listen to your inner voice.
1: Yeah, and sometimes that inner voice, not sometimes, who am I kidding? <laughs> Most of the time, that inner voice is talking to us. It's getting our attention, but because we're in that place like you described, you know, we're abusing ourselves, we're overworking and ignoring all that, we miss those indicators. We miss the whispers or the loud nudges. But that's why I'm loving this conversation today and having you here on the show. Because, you know, in your keynote, the happiness fallacy, that re-envisions and revitalizes how we think about and work with happiness for personal and collective good. Can you tell us about that?
0: Yes, and you were referring a moment ago, a dynamic that I was falling into, and so many people fall that when I finish this project, then I will take the weekend off or even a night off. So we are in that trap of if, then, that we are always delaying the gratification, always delaying the pursuit of happiness. And even in our culture, if we think about here in the United States, to pursue happiness is part of the Declaration of Independence the cultural thing about working hard as a badge of honor. Or if we think about even in sports, no pain, no gain. is all part of the culture. And I was seeing the pursuit of happiness, like the delay gratification as something that I was proud of being able to do. What I didn't realize is that that really prevent us to be in our best self and really do the transformation and make the impact that we can do out there. We have to choose the little moments and to savor them in a big way and be in the pool energy more, in the push energy. We can achieve so much more. That is so
1: true. Now, can you tell us a little bit more about your your presentation that, you know, the happiness fallacy and how it helps us to kind of reimagine this?
0: Really, the feel of positive psychology is really grow a lot. And at the same time, it's so easy to get into what is called the toxic positivity. Oh, just smile and everything will come. No bad thoughts allowed. That can sound and feel very shallow. So what I try to do in my keynote is really take people in a journey to look to themselves and to the world around them and see that yes things are sometimes tough but there is a way that you can expand possibilities in your lives and in the lives of others. We can keep feeding that capacity of learning they can also become incredible opportunities. So I go over these fallacies for instance to have the pursuit of happiness as the goal that we keep running, running in direction and we are never satisfying. If that is the pattern that you see yourself in and you realize that gives you the power of, wait, what can I do to enjoy the little moments, to choose happiness? And how can I live that in my day-to-day or even in my business? A business can be fun. We can make it fun. So life circumstances that sometimes happen are really, really tough. I'm not going to deny that for a moment. And at the same time, we know from positive psychology research that life circumstances determine about 10% of our overall well-being. So 50% of our overall well-being is determined by our genes. So let's blame our parents for that. So 50 genes, 10 life circumstances that we don't have much control over, But we still have 40% that is left for our beliefs, the way that we think, the way that we behave, our mindsets. 40% is a big slice of the pie. So we can do a lot with that. And that is where I think we have a lot of room to play and to allow us, even if the 10% are really, really tough, uh, to make it a learning opportunity and come up in the other side, yes, with some bruises, but the stronger. That is amazing. And you know,
1: for a control freak like me, like that is really good news because I can control a lot with 40% and I can be in control of my beliefs, the way I think, my mindsets and how I approach any certain thing. Now I probably have to have help and support and guidance and practice and all that fun stuff, which is why we're all coaches. That's what we love doing in this world. But that is, that is fascinating to really see that breakdown and that perspective. It just makes it easier to choose to reframe instead of let, letting life happen to you.
0: We know people that they have very tough life circumstances and they live fully and happy or in a full way. Uh, I think one of the big names that I always admire in an extraordinary way is Viktor Frankl, the author of Men Searching for Meaning that survived the concentration camps, several of them in the Second World War. And he lost his parents, his wife. I cannot think about the more dire circumstances that he went through than in his work. He really had this optimism about human nature that was extraordinary. And he believed that humans were good in their hearts. Have that capacity of seeing, in spite of the toughness of life, they can come in the other side stronger, and we can incorporate that in our lives. And coaching is an amazing tool to work that 40% that we have control over.
1: Yeah, it's job security right there, which is pretty cool. Now, you've mentioned a few times how you have battled cancer, and not once, but twice you've battled cancer. And so I'm wondering what has been, you know, one of the most important things that you've learned from that experience or how has it impacted
0: the way you work with your clients? I say I was sleeping very few hours a night. I was under stress. That was one of the factors that create the right conditions for everything to happen in my health. But there are always things outside of control and things that we can do. I choose to focus in the things that I can do in the present moment. And I want to help my clients. I want to help people that listen to my podcast, people that I contact in any way to amplify their feel of possibilities and then to make choices that are more congruent with their values and with their life purpose. And that is my mission. And uh, uh, part of that mission is if we want to do big things out there to be the change makers that we can be. We really have to learn to take care of ourselves. It's like most of us work with computers and we rarely restart the computer because we don't have time, but we have time to be there looking to the wheel going around and around and around because we don't have time for the computer to restart. And then finally something happened that we really have to restart and we go afterwards and go, why I didn't do this before? It's going much faster now. But if we are the computer, if we are this amazing, extraordinary tool, what are the restarting and rest and reset times that we are giving to ourselves? When we start to honor that and optimize our mental, our psychological operating system, the way that we do things, the way that we enjoy things, we can achieve much, much more, make a bigger impact out there. I love it. I love your mission. It's a good one.
1: Now, Anna, you have said how coaches are both the instrument and the tool. Can you talk a little bit about that concept?
0: So when we are coaching another person, our coaching presence, our questions, our voice, our demeanor, all of us is the tool and instrument that is facilitating the transformation in another person. We are creating a certain experience that allows the other person many times to connect the dots. That is an art in itself. Sometimes I think it's easier just to say to somebody, do A, B, C. <laughs> that doesn't work very well. But we have to develop an art of controlling our own emotions and controlling our own needs in that moment that we are in the coaching in service of others to create the conditions for the other be the one that connect the dots. I think more flexibility we have to provide the right context and circumstance to help the transformation in our clients. Mm, Yeah, the better space that we can
1: hold. It's like it ramps up all of our coaching skills to a whole nother level.
0: But if we don't take care of ourselves, if we keep depriving ourselves from the time to recover, to reset, to nurture ourselves, we are giving much less than what we really can give to the people that we work with. Often people don't take time to self-care because they feel selfish. And they are always like in the last bit of patience, the last piece of energy. And when they start to recognize and experience that by taking care of themselves, they have much more to give to others, then is when magic really starts to happen.
1: Yeah, we're giving of the overflow. We're not sputtering along or in this kind of stop and go. So our clients get the best of us. Our families get the best of us. But while that's happening, we're not getting depleted at the same time. We're staying fueled and filled up while we're giving. It's a simultaneous thing that occurs.
0: Is that flow is what in high performance they speak the stage of flow that you are in that kind, of everything falls into a perfect alignment and you are gaining energy by giving. It's absolutely beautiful.
1: Mm, the state of flow. I love that. Like I've said, self care is one of, if not my favorite topics, and it's my superpower. It's how I organize everything about me as a leader as a business owner, as a woman, as everything. And as coaches, you know, we're in the business of serving. And that can get overwhelming sometimes if we're not careful. And so what areas do you notice that coaches tend to neglect
0: their self-care? Ooh, where do I start? <laughs> Let's start with the basics. Let's make sure that we are sleeping enough. Are we drinking enough water? Eating good food that is healthy for us or just juggling things between calls or even during calls. (laughs) So I think Maslow hierarchy of needs is so visual that people are familiar with. Let's look there. So we start with physiological needs. Most of us don't breathe well. Okay, we breathe enough to keep our body, keep working. Great. That is the basic. But If we breathe shallow, we are in that stress mode all day long. Just learning to breathe more deeply during the day, doing a small one-minute breathing exercise in intercalate during the day can increase our body function in an incredible way because it activates the relaxation system in our body. So just that simple things, and we know this from psychology, we know this from physiology, But most people don't know this. We have to make sure that we are in a personal safety and security. Of course, those things are important and surrounding ourselves of the right people, the right community. And that will allow us to really tap in the self-esteem, our strength, our freedom to choose and the self-actualization that, in my opinion, is living our purpose.
1: And, you know, that's interesting right there. When we talk about living our purpose, I was just thinking back as you're going through these sleeping enough, drinking water, good food, quality breathing. And I would say about the first four years of my business, self care was not something on my radar. It wasn't until about four years into it that it started coming up more and more. And since 2008, it has been a driver and a value and a priority in my life. But in those first several years, I would have those health issues. I remember my acupuncturist was like, Melinda, do you ever breathe past your collarbone? I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, your breath doesn't actually make it to your lungs. And I was like, that's the weirdest thing. And I had to actually set a timer to remember to drink water. Now it just sounds so absurd, but I would get so lost in my work. And because I've started a business doing the thing that I believe I was created for, that are my natural skills, It is so easy to get lost in our work or in the name of our mission or living our purpose that it's that double-edged sword. Oh yeah, I should eat. I got so swept away in all this work I'm doing, but wait, time out. I actually need to eat and we have to balance that. And I love how you used Maslow's hierarchy, that visual, just to prompt, do I have the right self-care elements in place? across all aspects of my life for my entire well-being.
0: And I will dare to make a guess here that when you start to take care of yourself, you start to do better in your business. (laughs) Oh,
1: leaps and bounds. And it truly is a critical thing that I don't hear a lot of people talking about that, you know, when we first start a business, well, I'll use myself as an example. I think it's true for a lot of our listeners. My biggest concern was like, look, folks, I got to replace my previous income from my job that I just got fired from. And then it was like, oh, wait, can I break past six figures? That's an interesting goal and challenge. And then I was like, oh, look at the work. My mission is bigger. I want to serve more people and make a bigger impact. And so then seven figures became a target as an indicator that I was expanding my impact and then multiple seven figures. And as a business owner, whatever your goals are, Your self-care has to evolve with you or those goals cannot come true. You won't be the person you need to
0: be for those to be a reality. Exactly. It's part of the journey and we have to be gentle with ourselves. These are part of the growing as a business owner. Now, when we hear coaches and business owners
1: talk about how they don't have time for self-care, what kind of
0: advice would you share with them? If you don't decide to do self-care, unfortunately, life, sooner or later, will provide a wake call for you. And I just wish that for everybody listening, listen to the small voices and the small waking calls. Don't be waiting for the big one.
1: Now, how can self-care be incorporated into our coaching businesses? For all those that are listening in, what are some ways to do that?
0: We help our clients many times to imagine their ideal week, their ideal day. Let's do that for ourselves. What is the ideal beginning of our day? Or even let's start by the end of our day. What time do we want to go to bed? And how do we want to wake up in a war to our snooze button to see who wins? And guess who? the snooze button always wins. Or do we want to start the morning feeling that we achieved something that? We are grateful for having a new morning in our lives. So it's a lot of the things that we help our clients through, really, and a coach needs to have a coach. Think about the athletes. Nobody expects that the quarterback will go in the game without a team behind it, uh, the coaching, all the work that they do to arrive there and to be in their highest performance. So, why do we expect that we can do that without some mental fitness to be when we are doing our job to be in our best shape? I certainly share that with you.
1: And I'm thinking about a couple of the self care elements that I integrate into my business. And a simple one, although it did take me a while to have the discipline to stick to it, but one of the ways that I end my day is at the end of each day, I look at my calendar for the next morning and what are my first appointments or what are the first projects that I'm going to work on? And I ask myself, what do I need to have at my fingertips so I'm ready for those few first things? And then I'll find the book or whatever it is that I need to have in front of me and I'll lay it out on my desk so that when I sit down at my desk the next morning, I'm not scrambling, but I'm already prepared. And that bit of self-care just A, it helps me sleep better at night. So I'm not like, oh my God, did I forget this? Or where did I put that? Or, oh shoot, I have this meeting. Like none of that is running through me. It's like, I'm ready, I'm prepared, I'm focused. And then the next morning, it's a gentle entry into my day instead of skidding in sideways, hoping I got my act together. So it could be just something like that. And then another fun one that we do I always integrate dance breaks, either just myself or in my team chat or with our students or throughout our events, just to help us get out of our head and move our bodies so
0: that we're bringing all of us to what we're doing. Oh, the celebrate and what you're saying about planning tomorrow today is so important. And I love what you say, was not easy to make that a habit. Be gentle with yourself. It's not unusual to be a challenge to install a new habit. And when we are under stress, it's very easy to go back to the previous habits that we had for years and years and years. So we have to learn to be gentle. This is like a dance. This is not a straight line. Let's dance with it and put some music and have some fun. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly.
1: Now, how can we encourage our clients, well, even ourselves and our clients, to value and practice self-care and deliberate happiness like we've been talking about today?
0: Most of coaches and consultants, they are coaches that are out there. They have done good work about clarifying their own purpose and their own mission. If they start to see that the best way to really make a big impact out there is by taking care of themselves, let's use that for being the priority. Self-care is not an extra thing, it's something, it's a need that you absolutely need to take care of. Look, print the Maslow hierarchy of needs. Physiological needs are at the bottom. So take care of your body and then you cannot forget to take care of your mind and your soul. Whatever form it is for you, take care of yourself.
1: Beautiful. You know, even Socrates himself, you know, the Greek philosopher from, oh, I don't know, thousands of years ago, advocated that the most important thing is to develop a thoughtful relationship with ourselves so that we can care for others in a healthy manner. And that definitely applies to us as coaches. So let's recap because we have covered a lot in this discussion. And when we started, Anna was talking about how it is so easy to overwork and it becomes a badge of honor. So we have to be very careful about that trap and also of the trap of if then, well, if I accomplish this, then I'll look after myself or when this thing's happened, then I will pay attention to it because that really prevents us from being our best self. And we talked about the impact of toxic positivity when we're operating from this place and how it can be really shallow. She shared with us some of the misbeliefs, if you will, that we might be believing or continuing to believe, and we just want to really be aware of that to make sure it's still serving us. And I love when she talked about to be change makers in this world, because if there's one thing I know about coaches and service-based entrepreneurs, we are here to make a difference. Impact is so important to us. And if we're to be those change makers, then we've got to take care of ourselves. We have to be able to manage and control our emotions because when we do, that's when we can hold space for our clients, create the context and the circumstances for them to have great transformation. And it's where we get to be our best and give our best and be live in that state of flow that anna was talking about and i can't wait to go do this i'm going to do this as homework to print maslow's hierarchy of needs and just kind of go through that and do i have self-care in each of the areas so i'm looking after my entire well-being and above all be gentle with ourselves Because these might be new muscles that we're just learning. I know for me, it was something that I fell down and had to get back up and keep going, but I was dedicated and committed to it. And now I live in that state of flow and it is such a beautiful place to operate from.
0: Anna, do you have any
1: parting words for our
0: listeners? Just be gentle, follow the flow and be gentle with yourself and go out there and make a difference.
1: Well, thank you for listening to this episode of Just Between Coaches. And also a big thank you to Anna for this great conversation about how important it is with self-care. You can find out more about her at annamalikian.com. That's Anna, A-N-A, Malikian, M-E-L-I-K-I-A-N.com. Anna, thank you so much for coming to the show.
0: Oh, my pleasure.
1: I'm Melinda Cohen, and you've been listening to Just Between Coaches. Just Between Coaches is part of the Mere FM podcast network, which also includes such shows as Course Lab and Once Upon a Business. This episode was produced by Cynthia Lamb. I wrote this episode with Mishi Lance, Melissa Deal, and Cynthia. Mishi assembled the episode. Dana Iney is our executive producer. Post-production was by Post Office Sound. And to make sure you don't miss great episodes coming up on Just Between Coaches, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. And if you like the show, please leave us a starred review. It's the best way to help us get these ideas to more and more people.